good morning and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In podcast. Yes, this is it. Monday morning, bright and early, usual boys have assembled. Nothing makes me happier than this record on a Monday morning. Brendan, how are you, my dear? Uh, I'm I'm well, thank you for for, for asking. As ever, Vanessa, a very enjoyable uh, sporting weekend and I'm off to a gender reveal party this afternoon. I've never been to such a thing, so that will be an experience. Wow. I've never been to such a thing. I thought that was only something that happened in America, let alone Ireland. Yeah, I tell you, I, I can I can tell by Tony Calvin's face he doesn't have a fucking clue what this is. But if you if you are like Tony Calvin, you don't know what this is. What I would suggest you do is you go onto YouTube and you type in "gender reveal disasters" because yes. they come up with they come up with these elaborate ways, more and more elaborate ways to do. Like people have been killed doing gender reveals. Literally, a plane, a plane crash doing what? A plane oh. crash doing what in America recently? Genuinely. I, I was up in Scotland last week and um, they have a lot of gender revealed stuff up there in their kilts, but uh, <laughs> not, you're not on the right level. TC. All right. I, I just thought you'd, uh, I just thought you're not you'd, even close actually. at moments, but no. Yeah. Before- yeah I, pr- I, pr- I, prom- I promise you, they got a little small plane to fly over the top of the party and like spray whatever blue or pink smoke and the plane crashed. They like, sprayed the smoke oh. and crashed. And the poor fella died. Oh, what a way to go. Oh, Lord. Rest in peace, that man. Um, before anyone has a go, I'm, I'm aware that my house... Dangerous to like, assume. I'm aware that my house looks like a laundrette again, and I'm very sorry about that for anyone watching on YouTube, but I have an issue in my house currently, and so I've had to wash my life that surrounds the dogs, basically. So, and if you want, And if you, want, if you good listeners want to guess what that issue is, Go on the YouTube comments and guess. (laughs) Take a wild guess. Take a wild guess. Right. Let us crack on. We actually, in terms of a racing weekend, it was relatively light, but we've got a few performances to get through. And then we've got quite a lot of news topics, big and small, to focus in on. So let's kick off with what is left of the flat season, which, of course, was the Cameco Futurity Trophy up at Doncaster. Was it going to be on? Was it going to be off? Lots of deliberation. Finally, they ran with it. They got the meeting on. Well, they got the Saturday on an ancient wisdom won it for team Charlie Appleby and Godolphin. Lots to unpick. And a lot of that actually surrounds the pre-race situation with Battlecry. There was an incident in the stalls as they were loading. Battlecry got upset, um, may have affected those around him in the stalls. Before we get into the performance, let's talk about that. I wasn't watching TC on the telly because I was at Cheltenham on Saturday. So... I presume you were watching on the telly. How did it unfold? What happened? Were you in, did you know what was going on or were you a bit in the dark? Well, I didn't watch any racing live last week. I decided to have a complete break from everything, including social media, which is quite refreshing. But I did take the um, ITV racing and obviously I was able to rewind clearly um, about what happened with Battle Cries. But if you were late to the party, uh, so to speak, any viewer, you wouldn't have had a clue what happened with Battle Cry going down in the stalls. It did look particularly nasty, but there was kind of like a vacuum of kind of like 15 minutes while the race was delayed that anybody coming fresh to the coverage, and I imagine this was echoed on Sky Sports Racing too, so it's not an ITV racing thing, um, didn't really know what happened, what horses were affected. And um, I made the point on, on our WhatsApp group beforehand. I mean, we can we can tune into Sky coverage, BBC coverage of of Gaza, you know, Palestinians, people dead in the streets, children, women and children screaming, covered with blood. But we can't see, we can't focus to screens around a horse or battle cry, which is why the race couldn't take place because they were attending to that horse. But surely. We can even even just like scan to why you know something in front of the stores whereby the race can't take place, and you know another of our group just said, look, you know he obviously he came to it late and he didn't know why it was delayed for so long. It's it just seems like we, we've we've covered it before with racing replays. We can't see you know if there's a fatality, we can't go back and see the race in its entirety. The Irish Derby being the big recent example and it just seems to me that 
I think we just need to get a grip of this and just, you know, just like, you know, this happens in racing. This just, just own it and this just not be insecure about these things. I'm not saying we want to see a horse thrashing and, you know, and dying in front of our eyes, but no. you know, it was clearly, it was clearly from the ITV coverage that, um, you know, the, the screen, the screens were erected around the horse and surely we can scan to that and maybe just, and after we know the horse is up all right, just quickly, just kind of like rewind to what actually happened there because, uh, as as Brendan as Brendan said, I mean, it'd be interesting to know the horses either side how how badly worked up they got, you know, the effect that has on the betting, etc. Especially in relation to Diego Velasquez, and also it helps connections of the horse watching on TV or or, or actually at the course actually just ascertain what actually happened to their other horses around them and whether they want them to run. Um, it just seems to me that racing needs to kind of like own these situations just say look shit happens but we're going to show you it because in everyday life we see far far worse on our tv screens with a with a different a very brief warning beforehand there's no reason why we can't do that in racing well i can't i can't see why we wouldn't be able to pan onto the screens if that's what all you know the screens isn't an issue but i suppose replaying the event until you know that the horse is all right you don't you wouldn't want to do that and i suppose like you say, broadcasters are very sort of defensive of that. And so um, they obviously chose not to. It was a relief to see him out the stalls, Brendan, battle crying out the back. ITV did show that. Obviously, um, great to see that and that he was fine. He looked a little bit shell-shocked, I think it's fair to say, the poor lad. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a very serious incident. It's interesting that you say you wouldn't want to see a replay until you know that the horse is okay, and perhaps that 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 are it would be the sensitivities of the majority and and should be. But from a punter's point of view, I wanted to see a replay, and as Tony mentioned, I'd say Aidan O'Brien wanted to see a replay because if I see my horse get upset in the stalls, I don't want it to run. And Diego Velasquez, I only saw it once because there was no replay and very briefly but it looked to me like he got very upset in the stalls and definitely the uh, battle cry's legs got into his stalls because they trotted him up uh, after the race now i'm not i'm sure he was sound it was up to james doyle he was obviously happy that the horse was over what happened to him but just from a punter's perspective with the, 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 there being cash outs available now and what have you i would have liked to see that again and had i back diego velasquez I would have been cashing my bed out because I don't like to see my horses get upset in the stalls before the race. Yeah, yeah, I can see that angle. Of course, I can see that angle. I always, I think I've spoken about it before on the pod. I always think there's quite a lack of communication from down at the start of these events to when you're on course back in the parade ring. Um, like I've been on course many a times and there's, there's, general confusion if there's an incident down at the start because the communication between the start and everyone back up in the paddock you know it's not a, it's mm. not a clear line of comms to everyone um kevin what about the performance of the winner himself we should focus in on that the race obviously jumped eventually without battle cry of course but as brendan said with diego velasquez who then disappointed but the winner himself what do we make of him? He's now sixth one from 12s for the Derby. He's 14s for a 2,000 guineas. Did you think that it was a strong renewal of the race or are we worried about the form a little bit given the ground and circumstances, etc.? Um, I was happy with the race going into it. I wasn't as happy coming out of it. Uh, look, the, look, and it's very difficult to quantify what impact the, the prelims had on performance levels um, across the field, really, because some horses, they just can't handle... Um, you know, an unexpected um delay of fifty minutes like that and right down at the start, especially, you know, young Colts. And yeah, you know, we don't really know Diego Velasquez, you know, was he perturbed or physically impacted by what went down on the stop beside him. We don't know these things, they're difficult to quantify, but ancient the the battle cry coming out probably messed with the run of the race. Um, I know I certainly expected him to be making the running. Um Ancient Wisdom had to jump out to make his own running in the end, went pretty steady. Um, took a little while to hit top gear, but was strong late on. Um, handled the ground really well. Um, don't think he did um, a similar level to what he did in the autumn stakes. I think that was a stronger piece of form. Oh. But um, on we go. On we go to the winter. Um, you know, he's beat Devil's Point, who um, you, you know you could say was progressing, but ultimately was rated 101. Excuse me, Gosden once raced. Um, 
Ulster Ace Maiden winner in the third, picked up some late pieces, dancing Gemini. Um, now, I don't want to be throwing stones now because the, the, the tactics of the race kind of went out the window early. I, I was surprised to see him as handy as he was and putting the race as early as he was. Um, stepping up and trip he was doing a bit more than Lewis Edmonds would want I would have wanted I'd say I'd be happy to forgive him and give him another um, chance and Diego Velasquez didn't do his thing um, ground may have been it prelims may have been it um, he's better than that I suspect so um, ancient none of that was ancient wisdom's fault he went and did his thing um, would I back him for a derby personally no um, and I'll be interested to see what they want to do with him whether they want to try and start in the guineas um, starting the Derby trial um, yeah in he goes to the winter uh, Charlie Appleby got his group one winning two year old um, first group one in the UK or Ireland since May I think we said um, so yeah that would have been a relief um, supplemented in job well done bang bang yeah TC um, you know you've covered the Charlie Appleby sort of stable form narrative throughout the summer in terms of you know, people getting the wrong end of the stick. He's just the sort of class angle he's missing. But his two-year-olds have really fired of late, including this lad. Would you have any interest in him yourself? Kevin says no, but would you have any interest in him for the derby? No. No? no. Um, okay. it's, I mean, the, the, the form's highly questionable. I mean, Kevin's already articulated it, but it had shades of last year's St. Ledger about it. I mean... In, in fact, pretty pretty similar. If you, there was a there was a horse rated eighty five going to the race, beating under three lengths on Saturday, and having watched the race, you know, like you see on kind of like record. I mean, I was amazed that the horse actually won it. I mean, I thought there was a there was a shot on ITV where it, the horse was massively under the pump, looked to be about two or three lengths behind. And when I went and had a look at the in-running betting this morning, I mean, I was surprised he he hit 10 to 1 in running. I, I thought it'd be bigger because he looked beat from from the angle that I had, thought it might have been a, a limited one. Yeah. Uh, no, um, I was more impressed with him at, uh, at uh, Newmarket, to be honest with you. I mean, it's bad. There's a big proviso there, but... But classics, no. I mean, I mean the, obviously there's the ground, the knee action and stuff like that, the light the more likely ground. He looks more of a French derby, kind of like type modern games type, you know, than than a, than a Guineas or a derby horse to me. But given that their travails this season, they'll be, obviously they'll be shooting for the stars with a horse next year. But at the current prices, I mean, I know there was a big range of prices afterwards, but even the top price wouldn't get me interested at this point. Brendan, do you have anything more to add in regards to the Futurity or just Doncaster in general before we move on to Ziff? Jumps. Uh, just a yeah, a very tough, strong, staying performance uh, from from the winner. I, I I would have grave concerns about him on quicker ground, albeit he he, he won on debut on quick ground. But given his action, if Newmarket or Epsom turn up the way they normally do, and the ground is 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 good or, or or quicker, he struggled in the dip at Newmarket despite it being soft ground. Now I think he's a right good horse. I've been mean, beating Chief Lit Chief Lit Rocks no star or Grand Chief, but putting four lengths into him is a fair. I think he's a proper horse, but I wouldn't risk him too often on ground any quicker than than good, and I would have grave concerns about him handling Epsom. Yeah, before we go on to the Twig Hoppers, Vanessa, I'll just give a shout out to Ballymount Boy. Um, won the listed race there for Adrian Keatley, overcoming trouble and running. Um, I think that that would have been a, a very important success for 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 Adrian. And um, yeah, you have to say fair play to the horse now because he was fairly wrapped up for an awful long way there and uh, needed to be tough on the ground. So shout out to him. Okay, shout out Tim. We like a little shout out. Uh, let's move on to as Kevin says, the Twig Hoppers back in action at Cheltenham. Can you guys hear that? That's my dogs. Stop it. Stop it now. A bit of atmosphere. It's all fine. I know. Don't worry about it. It's fine, Vanessa. We're all all animal lovers. We understand. We understand. We are. are. Um, They're playing with an apple for what it's worth. Not only have you given your dogs a flea in their ear just now. It's terrible. Ha, ha, ha. Ooh, the YouTube comments are going to light up with that clue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah, jumpers. What a weekend it was for Gavin Cromwell. Kev, we'll start with you here. Uh, 
Uh, terrific, Pimmy. Had two winners on the Friday of the Cheltenham meeting with Encanto Bruno and my mate Mozzie. And then he had Flooring Porter win on Chase debut on the Saturday. Hell of a weekend for him with his three runners. His yard is just in absolutely red hot form. Um, let's work backwards. We will start with Flooring Porter, who's been cut for the Brown Advisory and the National Hunt Chase after that chasing debut. And look, wasn't perfect, Kev, but he's far from perfect in himself, in his mind and everything he does and what we know of him over hurdles. But, you know, he doesn't have a typical novice chaser profile for obvious reasons coming out of the staying hurdling division, but he's a hell of an engine. He remains a horse with an abundance of talent in whatever sphere. Yeah, just on a general point, it's fantastic how to see how times can change. And it's wonderful to see a Cromwell going to England and plundering and uh, get, getting all, so getting all, doing all sorts of damage rather than uh, the opposite <laughs> way around. <laughs> um, uh, but Flora Porter, yeah. Um, I, I thought he was, I thought he was perfectly good. Now I think, I think I like that Broadway boy is a promising horse back in second. Um, Nico de Boinville rode him, which was interesting. And, and I think I, I thought he did the right thing. He looked to kind of take on Florin Porter early and upset him. And he did. He got him a bit fired up early. And um, Keith Donahue ended up then taking the bull by the horns and going to the front. And like his jumping was perfectly fine most of the way and was clearly like very long, uh, a couple of ditches, um, which is which is always kind of, you know, um, heart and mouth stuff. But otherwise, like he's not a, not a you will see far more um, spectacular jumping performances from chasing debutants in the coming weeks I suspect but he was just he was just grand like he was, he was low and, and neat in the main and um, look we know he's a very good horse and um, yeah it would look he'll have more to do next time um, where they go will be an interesting question they'll have options they, they like to, they like to keep him left handed because he is mad and does hang like quite badly left going left handed if they ever ran in the other way around it would be absolute mayhem I'd say um, so yeah, look, I, I think he can drive on. He's a one-five-six hurdler. Um, is he as good as he once was? Probably not, but he still has enough ability in the old tank to do plenty of damage in this division, I suspect. Yeah, Brendan, do you like the, do you like the idea of him as a novice chaser this season off the back of that performance? I was a bit surprised when uh, he, I mean, he doesn't have obvious scope for for jumping fences. Clearly, uh, Gavin and the team are of the opinion that he will never get back to 164 over hurdles. I would be of the opinion he's rising nine now that he'll never get to 164 over fences. But I think Kevin's is on the performance up very well. Cheltenham is a very difficult jumping track, particularly on debut, and in the main he jumped well. So maybe he will get to 164 over fences. I am frequently proven incorrect, as you well know, Vanessa. I wonder if you'll be proven incorrect at the gender reveal. What 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 gender do you think the baby will be, Brendan? Uh, well, I I think it's a very slight shade of odds on that it'd be a boy because that's the way the world works. Uh, I'm not involved in I'm not involved in in speculating on the basis of bumps. There'll be no magical thinking here, Vanessa. I've just gone on to what it is. Do let us <laughs> in the dark. Do let us. Know. I thought it was like an adult kind of like coming out. And saying, oh, oh, I really oh, want to be a woman and on, stuff. On, on, on a Monday afternoon, come on, we do that on a Saturday, Tony. In this day and age, our gender reveal party is not like a very dodgy ground. Like it's very dangerous to assume. Let, let the child pop out and make their own, make up their own mind. It's not, not the way we do things nowadays. Right. No fashion, no on, we, on we go, on we go. <laughs> um, we will stick with Gavin Cromwell because we should mention Encanto Bruno, obviously having a first run for the yard, bolted up in the novice hurdle under a very cool Keith Donahue. Um, he had a very good weekend as well, of course. Uh, this horse travelled very well and has been cut. Well, no, sorry, it's unchanged for the Supreme at 25s, but has been cut slightly for the Ballymore. It's early for that sort of chat. I mean, that's just to try and give viewers and listeners some sort of idea of roughly the performance and what we're looking at. But um, how could you not be impressed, I guess? Yeah, I just... The, the, the old, like I said, I, I took a week off kind of like Twitter. I went on there last night and then this morning in preparation for this. I cannot believe... People just saying just the most routine of tweets and getting about a 1,000 likes, anything about the Cheltenham Festival. It's kind of like bizarre. It's kind of like Gavin Lynch going, oh, Florian Porter ran well there, didn't it? 2,000 likes. It's 
madness, these people. Uh, <laughs> uh, the jobs. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, anyway, it's it's absolutely bizarre, Mina. Um, Encanto Bruno actually backed uh, a rare bumper horse um, bet for me uh, at the festival last year, but the ground went against him. I'm a big fan of the horse. And I thought he was. I thought he was really, really impressive there. Um, but he does seem pretty ground dependent. So whether they'll just put him away again like they did last year, or just if the ground's decent anytime soon, which with three abandonments today, it doesn't seem to be, you know, getting any dry any 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 time quickly. Um, no, I, I was I was very impressed by the horse. I love the way he travels, and like I said, I've. Obviously, he's got the Cheltenham bump before before that disappointment at the festival. No, I'm a big fan of him. And just just on a whiteboard, Kevin mentioned Ballymount Boy, and we'll come on to Blue King Daru in a moment. And I'll chuck in floor and port here. Trying to trying to guess how the way these on-course markets are gonna go in the five minutes beforehand was is absolutely impossible. Now, I'm sure I mean I, I didn't watch racing any better last last Thursday, but some of these prices are just like man. I mean, Ballymount Boy was. I had a look at you know in the in in the paper section. It was thirteen to eight across the board pretty much on Friday night. It went off at a bet Ferris P of four point nine six. Now it's it's absolutely madness. Blue King Daru again six to four thirty to eight across the board goes off at a bet Ferris P of three point five five. Flooring Porter four to six goes off two point six seven. Some of these, I mean, Brendan will, will tell you, I mean, some of these markets are just mad. Ballymount Boy, I couldn't believe it. it was it's a different it was world, Tony. The horses are whatever price Jelko's algorithm says they are. All the other prices are irrelevant. It's mad. It's mad. It, uh, is that, look, uh, and, and that, no, and I'm, I'm not deep in this, but, like, is that it at the minute, do, do we reckon? Like, is this just algos dictating like markets, or is there something deeper at play? Is there is there... Is their influences on the domestic markets looking to by, by people that are playing into much bigger markets in far flung places? You know, I can't help but wonder is that something that's going on too? Yeah, yeah. I blame the I blame the black markets. <laughs> we know, we know, we know who'll blame them. <laughs> Arguably coming. <laughs> TC. Um, TC's mentioned Blue King Doro there, um, a winner of the Masterson Holdings hurdle at Cheltenham on Saturday as well, wasn't it? Um, the Great Wood now being touted for him. Uh, he's been cut to, for that from 14s to 9s. He's obviously a very pro progressive young horse, Brendan. And I think the Great Wood has kind of been on the agenda for a little while. And so... We know what Paul's like when he targets a race with a horse like this on the improve, sort of had a bit of a revival since the wind operation. Mm -hmm. How much more improvement is there to come? Well, it's interesting. I mean, he's already on a mark of 138, so that's pretty steep. I looked on the on the racing post and the entries are out for the great book, but, but it doesn't seem like, well, my interpretation of reading the racing post list was that they're, they're not applying penalties yet. And there's no way the handicapper can give him any more than 138 for that performance on, on Saturday. So if my reading of the, the form is right, he'll get in off 138. It's possible to make a case, given his progressive nature, as you said, that he could be well handicapped there. It's also possible to say that the race and entry fell apart a little bit and that he's already overrated. I personally would have, if it was up to me, I would have left him a 14 to, to 1 for, for the Great Wood because I don't think he achieved anything more on, on Saturday than he had in, say, entry. Okay, fair enough. Um, before we leave Cheltenham, does anyone have anything else to add? Kevin or TC, any other jumps chat? Ooh, yeah, TV just going through Cheltenham uh, on Friday and Saturday, just the videos uh, or replays even. Uh, obviously, with jockeys, you get quite a lot of love for jockeys, like Keith, uh, Keith Donoghue and Gavin Cromwell. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, he, the, the jockey was getting a lot of love. But I thought his ride on Railway Hurricane was one of the worst that I saw last week uh, from limited viewings. He gave that a really, really overconfident bad ride. If you back the horses are rogue now, you know that. Yeah, I know that. But come on, I mean, he was like he sat far, far too off it. I mean, I, I know he was like maybe closer to the closer to the winner than he was at the line and stuff. But as a punter, 
I w- I would want that horse to be put in the race far far more than he, he was, and it's kind of like it's 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 like Frankie de Tory. Everyone uh, everyone raves about his good rides, uh, and we had it at York, didn't we? With you know in the Voltage versus Mosterdaff, etc. It's just like people just seem to just like praise jockeys and are just very very reluctant to actually criticise rides. But anyway, it just seems to me that a bit of balance means a bit of balance, yes. Yeah, he well, in fairness, he, he did get plenty of stick um, for Antrim Coast. Yeah, was one that he, he would he would have loved another go at on that. I'd say um, you, you could see what he was thinking, but it just it, it, yeah, that 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 was a tough watch. And just as as I was watching that as a complete neutral now, and I thought to God, if I was on that, I'd be <laughs> I'd be fairly annoyed. But um, but there you go. Um, yeah, jockey worship is a, is a thing. You see, some some people in this great game can't get enough. They, they just can't get enough. Um, I I'd be I'd be more like you now. I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty. Um, you know, it's not it's not a factor that I, that I that I deeply deeply um, you know, try to weave into calculations. Uh, we should just mention before we move on from racing performances and jockey performances over the weekend. Give a mention to Equinox. Best-rated racehorse in the world. A fifth consecutive Group 1 in Japan. A track record time. Um, Pretty incredible from him. Sort of almost... I mean, when you watch... I obviously watched it, but I didn't watch it live. I was watched the replay back. And um, it's like an exhibitionist sort of race. He just gets to go and do his thing. He's just clearly a cut above the rest of them at this stage, Brendan. Um, Mm. What's going to stop Equinox? Wherever he goes, well well, 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 nothing. It seems to me, Vanessa, he's breaking clocks and breaking hearts, uh, as you say, the hearts of the opposition. In fairness to the Japanese, they're not uh, afraid to take him on. Uh, there was eleven raced against him on Sunday, and there were seventeen. Do you remember he won on his previous start? He got that two trailer park girls trip, and he still ran them down with with with, with these. Uh, the, the the horse is just a machine. He, he he can give up ground. He'd already put up the performance of the season when breaking another clock in May. Dan, the race couldn't have worked out better. Westover and and, and Mastodaf. I am happy to accept that he is the best horse in the world. Um, and it's just a, a shame we didn't see him in the arc. But I imagine he'll he'll probably win the Japan Cup. But you could get a full field of twenty in the Japan Cup. It seems the way the Japanese roll. They 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 don't seem to want to avoid him anyway. Won't stop yeah. him, will it? Traffic. Well, no. well, they, they, they nearly got him beat the time before through sheer weight of traffic. He had to. Yeah. He had. He had. He had to go the the trailer park car route around the outside. Did, um, he, did uh, he ever really look like being beat though, Kev? Oh, I got 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 a bit desperate close home now. Um, you know, you, you know, he's the best horse in the world. He should be winning by more than the neck, uh, and he is the best horse in the world. Like I thought, this was just r- ridiculously impressive. Um, like there's some very good horses that, that he's making look ordinary. That prognosis is a very good horse. Like he was second to he went to Hong Kong and was second to Romantic Warrior, who who we saw in action the other day as well in Australia winning winning the um winning the Cox Plate. Like he's uh, he he's just he's just deadly. And and like I'm so envious of race in Japan. Like they get it so right, and um the pe- people there love it so much. Um, like real, real proper fans. Like if you, if you, uh, I don't know. Some people, I suppose, are completely oblivious to the to the international stuff. But if you venture into social media, there you'll see the the images of the of the gates being opened. You know, and people are sprinting into the race course to get their spot. Um, not so they're close to the bar or what have you, so they can get in a good spot and see the horses. And then um, the I don't have the exact details, but I remember there there was a really iconic, um, iconic seen in Japan there God it was 10 or 12 years ago well it was it Marco de Moro or Christian I can't remember but anyway one of them won the big race and the emperor of Japan doesn't go racing very often and the, the last time he went racing was 10 or 12 years ago and um, de Moro won the race wheeled back around the front of the stands and seemingly completely spontaneously jumped off the horse took off his helmet a poor girl ran up thinking something was wrong and he just got down on his knee and bowed to the emperor and the crowd just went bananas and you had, a, you had a similar you had a similar scene the other day where there was a groom either side of the horse and um, they all took off their hats and then, and then, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea, I just thought it was cool. And they all bowed and there's a brilliant picture doing the rounds where Equinox kind of closes his eye and bows his head a little bit at the exact same time. It's an absolute cracker. 
And uh, yeah, I, I just think Japanese. I've never been racing in Japan. It's proper t- top of the bucket list because it just looks absolutely class. We we do get we do get crowds kind of like rushing in and uh, running into into race courses in this country as well. That's the, that's the queue up for a cubicle season. No, no, no. <laughs> if you've ever been to Royal Ascot and wait till the, the gates open at 10 o'clock and all the Royal Ascot Racing Club members all run up, all just sprint and run up to that uh, thing on the first floor, didn't they? Trying to get their seats for the day in the Royal Ascot <laughs> Racing Club, yeah. But then again, the average age there is about 80. So, yeah, I think uh, basically a wheelchair race. Yeah. No, proper proper and genuine racing fans in Japan <laughs> and Equinox rolls on as Brendan has said Japan Cup next for him um and then who knows after that. I think that is probably the racing section all wrapped up guys unless you guys have anything else you'd want to mention in terms of performances. It's a negative. Uh, Happy days. Right, let's move on. Brendan, didn't you have a quick line on that stayer you liked? Oh, yeah, just, yes. Just Double Major. A very, a very quick shout out to Double Major, who was by a Japanese stallion and has got some serious durability. He only started racing earlier in this season, but on his ninth career start, he absolutely hosed up in the pre-Royal Oak. Now, on desperate ground, he has form on better ground earlier in his career, in the season, should I say, but he's clearly most effective on deep ground. And whether he could translate it to, say, Ascot for a Gold Cup, I don't know. But but they might be tempted because it, it would seem to me that he's, he's only a three-year-old. So both age and the extra distance could elicit improvement. So we could see Andre Fab in Ascot next season. Yeah, Jamie Lynch was talking on Sky. He was broadcasting for that performance and was dissecting it and explaining why and how it was such a good performance. And he didn't think he'd be out of place in an Ascot Gold Cup. So stay tuned for that progression. Uh, Let's talk about some news and views. Few topics to get through. Uh, Headline of our topic section is this Ian Guider piece that was in the Business Post in Ireland on Sunday or over the weekend anyway. Um, It's a piece in regards to the uh, Irish battle with the proposed gambling advertising ban that's currently going through the Oireachtas as part of the gambling regulation bill. And um, it was essentially claiming that there's already very rich people in our sport and a lot of money already in horse racing. So we should suck up the advertising ban. And for the good of one in 30 people, I think the stat was one in 30 people who suffer with gambling addiction issues in Ireland and find a different way to fund the sport. And the suggestion seemed to be from this Ian chap that that way might be via our already very rich people that are involved. I mean, I was... A lot, like I read it and when it got to the end and it made that suggestion at the sort of fourth paragraph from the end, I did think, is that like, is he taking the piss there? Is that a sort of tongue in cheek comment that's been missed by me? Brendan, I'm sure you have plenty to say on this and you'll be able to flesh the piece out better than I have. But it was a remarkable read for a national paper anyway. Astonishing, astonishing that it got published, uh, Vanessa. If you will indulge me in a few quotes, so I might give the listeners a sense if they haven't read it. Quote, Go on. If the tracks can't survive, they should ask their incredibly wealthy land, <clears throat> brackets, largely non-domiciled, close brackets, and stud owners for the cash to keep going. Well, we already do, Ian Guider, because like a lot of leisure pursuits, say yachting, show jumping, many aspects of the arts, they are subsidized. It's trickle down economics. They are subsidized by wealthy benefactors who prop the thing up so that the less wealthy, like, for example, an Irish racing fan like me can enjoy Irish racing because it is sustained by people like J.P. McManus. Can you imagine the check he writes to race every year? So you'd have to contact NASA to calculate the thing. But anyway, next quote. There is, quote, there is zero reason for the state to roll back on regulation to keep an industry whose key stakeholders can't even be bothered to fund it going. I mean, the thing is so yeah. badly written to fund it going. I don't. But OK, so what he's basically saying there is zero reason for the state uh, to keep Irish uh, racing going. But as Kevin has outlined on this and many other channels, there are some very good reasons. The main reason being they've already done uh, a report that shows that they get a huge bang for their buck 
book for the grant that they give. They know how valuable Irish racing is, the intangible in terms of the pride it gives to Irish people, but the tangibles around rural jobs, etc. So that's more rubbish from the guider. Right. Now, another quote. A look across the water in Britain shows the resources now required to treat addiction. About £100 million annually at the levy slapped on every bet is to be redirected away from the bookie self-regulated awareness campaigns to the NHS to research addiction and put in preventative measures and treatments. Well, uh, that that money is not definitely going to be redirected for a start. That's just a proposal. And if it does, Mr. Guider, or uh, Miss Guider would be more appropriate in his case, but uh, he he should know what's going to happen to that money. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a trough there, and every grifter, and charlatan is just going to put on their anti-gambling hat and come up with some bogus claims so that they can get a, a piece of, of that pie and bloat their salaries. We, the, the Irish taxpayer knows only too well that ploughing money into the health service is no guarantee that said health service will improve. But it gets worse. It gets worse than this. Here's, here's where now this is when you know the guy has an agenda. Quote, he's talking about the ESRI report here. It found one in 30 people have a serious gambling problem. That is about 130,000 people in total. And ESRI found the number is even higher if you add in those with moderate signs of struggling control to control what they spend. Now, either the guider can't read, which seems unlikely, or he is willfully misrepresenting that report to further his own agenda, because the actual thing the ESRI said was that there were 12,000 problem gamblers in Ireland. There were 35,000 people at moderate risk. I apparently fall into that category, by the way, but that's an aside. And there are 90,000 people at, at low risk. And I mean, I'm just thinking from the Sunday Business Post editorial point of view, like, well, what are, the, what are we doing here, Sunday Business Post? You're supposed to be a reputable publication. And the, the, the editor gets an article that says, there are 130,000 people in Ireland with a serious gambling problem. It doesn't go, wow, 130,000 people in Ireland. So there are more people in Ireland with a serious gambling problem than the population of Limerick. Okay, that makes sense. We'll just publish that. Grant. Okay, this is like this. This is absolutely. But it, but, it, but he doubles down and he finishes with what would be my last quote. I, I, I thank you for your indulgence, Vanessa. Quote: Much tougher. Rules will probably be required in the coming years, particularly around state limits. Sacrificing Irish racing may well be the price worth paying. Well, Ian Guider, I would like to offer you a different perspective and a perspective on someone who enjoys gambling and Irish horse racing very much. I think that gambling is a force for good. It is. It, it taught me a lot of uh, important life lessons uh, about weighing uh, risk against opportunity, uh, about about impulse control, dealing with stressful situations. It has introduced me to a, a circle of people who I, I find have a very interesting perspective on life. They're very data driven. Driven. They're mercifully free. Of, of magical thinking, and I very much enjoy their company. And, and similarly, Irish racing is, my, is mine and many people's in this country's uh, 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 abiding passion. And uh, th- that's before we get into the, the, the fact that a small country like Ireland can, can be a, a world leader in, in a global industry. It's a, a source of great, great pride to us. And, and what Guider and his puritanical ilk need to realize is that like the poor, the people there will always be people who aren't particularly good at being adults in the world. And those people are entitled to and do receive help, but that help has to be measured. And you cannot sacrifice a pursuit that enriches the lives of the majority of people at the altar of a small minority of people who overindulge in it. That's just not fair. 12,000 as the correct number would be, Brendan, rather yes. than the added up number of 130,000. Oh, yeah. oh. um, 
Wonderfully put, Brendan. We should also add that obviously Betfair itself takes responsible gambling very seriously. There are tools available for those who are struggling. But Kevin, I mean, Brendan summarised that and picked it apart pretty well. Do you have anything else to add? It, it, it still, despite how mad the article may or may, may be, which we believe it to be, um, it's still pretty worrying times that something like this can get published. And obviously this ongoing advertising battle, racing, advertising, gambling issue is it. It's a very serious problem that hasn't in any way gone away. And if anything, is just ramping up now. It's, it's just painful stuff, isn't it? Like, geez, this was a painful read. This is half a page in a, in a, in a proper newspaper. It, it, it's frustrating to read it. It really, really is. Because as Brendan has picked apart, like, and, and there's more. There's more that could be picked at. It's just deeply frustrating, you know, this this misuse of already watery numbers. Like I, I did not like the read of that report and the whatever it's called, the ER, ER, ESRI report. I didn't like the sound of the way they framed those questions. I think if you if you conducted the exact same survey on people's Irish people's relationship with alcohol, I think you'd get some some really uh, you know attention grabbing headlines as well you know how many people yeah alcohol is an example you know shopping anything if you ask someone well Vanessa you know when you when you go shopping there on a Saturday um, afternoon do you sometimes come home and regret the amount of money you spend shopping and you'll probably go well yeah I often spend way way too much on clothes and uh, oh you have a shopping problem God I, I think we're gonna have to close down these nasty clothes shops to protect you from your unhealthy and irresponsible shopping habits. You well, know, pers- that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad thing for me, let me tell you. That I'm out of control at like, 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 honest to Jesus, am I gonna am I gonna write I might go and write an article myself now and submit it to the Sunday business post that I believe, given that there are hundreds of people killed every year on Irish roads, you know, I think we should ban cars. I think. Driving cars is a price worth paying to protect people from dying, Vanessa, dying on Irish roads. Like Jesus Christ, like talk about talk about a skewed interpretation and, and a completely wrong headed approach to an issue. And we all acknowledge that there is an issue and that that, that it does need to be tackled. And that a lot of legislation that that that's coming forth in front of us is correct. Um, and, and of solid grounding, but like this pylon that we're getting onto betting, something that we all we all understand, and um, is it, just deeply frustrating. And a, a little bit like in England, you know, the the lack of informed comment that's making it into the mainstream is, is deeply frustrating and worrying because we've seen again and again in society, like when you get when you get rules being set and changed by the ignorant like you you can end up with some really ropey conclusions and um, with I, lots of unintended consequences and the unintended consequence here clearly is uh, is the fortunes of horse racing and uh, it's it's deeply deeply concerning okay we move on tc because we have other topics to talk about um do you want to take nick rust He's put his head above the parapet. Oh, you you had a little scrunched up face there. Uh, I, I did. I I think it was pretty inconsequential, really. Um, okay. I read. No, I read the piece. There was nothing new in it. Uh, of course, we want more extreme uh, measures that were taken. You know, in the recent. This is for anyone, sorry, for anyone that I've mentioned Nick Russ because for a first time in a long time, we've heard from him, obviously ex-chief exec. He was talking at the Reputation Matters conference on gambling regulation, and he made um, a speech there where basically he was pushing that bolder change is required to turn British racing's situation around essentially in terms of the fixture list and funding etc sorry TC I just thought we should fill the no, no, it's, it's fine it's just a lot of people saying it's a bit rich someone who was in office uh, for a long while you know even Julie Harrington's critics which I'm probably bang up there at least they've tried to do something about it but the idea that the primarization wasn't radical enough is, is not news to anybody not least the BHA not least the NTF not least any any racing body. 
So for him to come out and just say generalizations and stuff like that, it's it didn't even warrant a story. It, I thought it was it was stating the bleeding obvious, but you know, as with racing, very small steps, and he's looking for giant strides, and he knows full well. Uh, from his time in office, that it couldn't happen. In fact, we didn't even get very small steps under him. So um, I wouldn't give it the time of day. I mean, he's in a, now that he's out of the game, so to speak, he's in a much, it's much easier for him to make those. Yeah, it's, it's all right saying, oh, we should slash the fictionist by that. But he he knows who wields the power. He knows the race courses aren't going to give that up. So he can actually say what he wants from a, from a, you know, a, a broad brush approach. But, it just doesn't stack up, does it? Now, just, just to just just to just to balance it, I suppose slightly. Um, he might say if he if he were here to talk about this, he might say that well, things have changed since I was in charge. You know, there's this much talked about power restructure that it's only come into play relatively recently that has given the BHA a little bit more clout, and maybe maybe the insinuation was that if there was such if there was the same sort of ability to play with things when he was there, that he might have done more than he was able to do, maybe on speculation. But no, I, don't I, think that might be... I, think, I think he was very effective in other areas, um, far more than Harrington, because he went out there in the front foot. He was a, a good media operator, and Harrington's a car crash from what I've seen. But on this instance about, oh, this is what we should do, uh, I, I didn't buy it one bit. Well, one thing I'd say about Nick Ross is he, I think he, in, in, God, I'm open to correction now, but in my time in racing, I think he's the only, he's the only one that had that job and finished it that I subsequently saw on a race course. <laughs> I said, huh? see Nick Ross, I see Nick Ross racing a bit. Um, a, well, that's because the difference with him is he's a proper pun. He's a, you know, racing yeah, guy. Yeah, he likes yeah, a pun yeah. and yeah. he's a proper fan, to be fair to him. Um, uh, TC, let's stick with you. A quick mention, National Trainers Federation have appointed a former police officer to drive their new campaign against social media abuse to trainers. This is, um, they have a system in place that they've, I think, trialed sort of for the last few months that basically means that abuse trainers receive on social media and in other ways will be able to be filtered through and reported to the BHA and ultimately the police if needed, if it needs to be taken to that point. Um, and I think it's Sean Memory that they have appointed for this. Um, will this help with the abuse trainers get online or do you think that's just something that in this day and age we have to deal with? most industries do do you think we can help put a stop to it well he sounds like a far show character doesn't he Sean memory um <laughs> I read this and I went and try and had a big a, a bigger dig around I read the NTF statement but I don't get what he's going to do I mean very they could have just rung me up and told me to stop tweeting and he could have retired <laughs> there and then couldn't he um <laughs> I honestly don't know what he's going to do. I mean, people are people are going to complain. You know, as much as we don't like it, 90-odd percent of these people are in the sport because they bet on it. And you're going to get a large percentage or a reasonable percentage of dickheads who can't accept defeat and failure and losing their money. The fact that trainers phone numbers and emails are so well known in the sport because, you know, I don't know if they still do the directory of the turf. I mean, the old directory of the turf, I mean, you had addresses, phone numbers, every single detail you want. You had office phone numbers, you know, they have to have the details out there. So trainers are far more accessible than a footballer who misses a shot at goal or a, a rugby player who misses an easy drop goal. So they're easy targets out there. So, What's this guy going to do? He's not, not going to eradicate dickheads, is he? You know, it's no. But, but it's an interesting, not an interesting way of. Well, my interpretation of it, I'm not sure if I read it properly, is that this guy is, has some some background in the, the cyber world, and say anonymous trolls or anonymous calls, he might actually be able to work out a way, because they will have a digital footprint, to 
identify them. And then what I hope is that, because needless to say, you, you won't be shocked to hear that I'm a big free speech advocate, so I don't want anyone being prosecuted through the courts, what they say, but they could push back. If they have this database, and they have notes on them, they could push back at them and let their friends and families know some of the things that they're saying to uh, train trainers and jockeys. And do you think this is appropriate? I think that's exactly the way you should push back against trolls. I kind of well, had like no comprehension of quite how much abuse these trainers get. But I mean, it's a day, it's a daily occurrence. And um, you know, literally like a, a hourly occurrence for some of them if they have multiple runners on a race day, like the time when I think I told you the story before about the time that I was with Paul Nichols and he keeps getting this blocked number, call him yeah. every time he has a horse beat. And he's like, he a horse had been beat at short odds. And so he said, you answer it, go on, like you answer it. I'm just fed up with this guy. And then that was the famous time I answered it. And it was actually Alex Ferguson, who also <laughs> did a <block> number. <laughs> and it was I wonder like, why I couldn't get through to him. Literally. <laughs> he was like, afterwards, he was just like, oh, oh God, that's so difficult. And of course, I answered it being all like sassy. Hello, Paul Nichols' phone. <laughs> and, uh, and then obviously, what did you say? This, this silly bath is putting on a bad Scottish accent. I know, I was like, he sounds a lot like Alex Ferguson. And then he was like, oh, it's Alex Ferguson. Could I speak to Paul? And I was like, oh. I'm not decrying the fact, you know, they should try and nip it in the bud when it gets yeah, really yeah. heavy and stuff like that. But no amount of criticism bothers me. So, but I understand some people are far more sensitive about these things than and I, and they get far more kind of like, um, you know, yeah. regular abuse. But I think but, you know, if you can stop it, fine. But you just can't legislate for dickheads. And well, hopefully, but I, don't, I don't think I don't think they're trying to legislate for dickheads. I think they're trying to legislate for fellas that are threatened to go and burn jockeys' houses yeah. down and you know yeah. serious stuff and go kill them, break their legs and things like that. Like I'd say, that's what they're yeah, what I they're think. after. And then when when someone crosses the line, that they might have a better means to go and tackle them and actually li- like literally get them arrested over there. I suspect that's what they're on about. If this but guy is the, if this guy is the conduit, look, obviously everyone's got the everyone's got the ability to ring up the police and give them all the information. So if this guy is just a conduit, you know, to the police, they go to him. He he, he actually goes on to, to his ex police contacts because he's an ex police superintendent. Then that's fine. I mean, I should I should be less jokey about it, but um, right. I'll be interested to know what the scope of what it is because having read all the details, I'm not still not sure. But well, I tell you, there's an entry. There's just. Quickly, Vanessa, there's an interesting uh, potential precedent being set here. I don't think we've mentioned it on the show, but it's a, it's a story that's done the rounds in America there lately. Um, Bob Baffert um, oh, yeah. is yeah. is currently engaged in litigation with two um, Twitter users. Yeah. Um, and he's he's suing them for um, defamation, defamation and extortion. Yeah. Um, and it's gone pretty spicy now, and uh, they reckon that it could be a kind of a precedent setter um, in in that particular part of the country, at least. And something else I'd raise quickly is our good friend Elon Musk um, is on the cusp of introducing um, essentially a mandatory charge for using X, as it's now known, if you want to tweet like a, a little, a tiny little fee, whatever, like a, a euro a month, um, for the ability to tweet. And uh, the thought, I believe, is to kind of tackle those really annoying bot accounts that we all get under our tweets, um, you know, promising us fixed match results, etc., which would be brilliant. But also what that serves to do is if you're um, if you're giving them um, a euro a month, you're going to have to give them your payment details. And that will make anyone that tweets um, very, very traceable indeed, which uh, I'd all be in favor for personally. I know there'll be loads of people that would hate that. Um, yeah. But I'm a big fan of accountability, Vanessa, and as someone that gets loads of abuse on social media, um, that that accountability will be lovely. I don't want that to come into play because <laughs> I like the fact that a lot of very attractive young females like all my art. <laughs> and if that, if that stops, I'm done with Twitter. I, I need I need the affirmation of. I won't say it. Don't say it. Uh, do other things to <laughs> comment on before we wrap up. Um, Brendan, did you see the chaos at Ludlow the other day? 
Yes. I, 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 Lordy I mean, Lord, what a mess that was. It was like something out of like some sort of comedy sketch. Thank God horses and riders were mm. all all right, by the way. And Jockey got, um, was it 21 days for careless yeah. riding and taking the wrong course? Absolute carnage, mayhem. Yeah, I, I mean, it was wrong on so many levels because to take the the, the, the the wrong home bend, he cut the snot off a horse at Kim Bailey's. It was already dangerous riding before he then realised what he'd done and, and tried to save himself by going around the rail. Um, I Inexperienced jockey, I, I, I get it, but I mean, there could have been pretty serious consequences there. And I know we've all seen situations where a jockey's almost taken the wrong course and saved it at the last minute um, but I suppose they just have to try and even in the, the heat of trying to repair the damage as quick as you, you have to be aware and sort of look over your shoulder um, but yeah again a, 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 an inexperienced jockey but he has a lot to learn but he's he has plenty of time to think about it anyway yeah, following yeah. on from Sean memory of Dare Davis, he he sounds like a uh, far show yeah, character, oh, doesn't it? It's D- Dara Davis, Dara Davis. Yeah, but yeah, it's constantly mispronounced. That that would, that, would, that, would, that would ruin my bad joke, though, wouldn't it? Come on, yeah, exactly. it's like, it's like yeah. that horse Dundera, wasn't it? The the horse <laughs> that got up a few times. Yeah. Um, you've got to give TC that. If um, if Dan Barber was here, he'd be making the same joke. Um, last word. <laughs> <laughs> Last word before we wrap up. Low sun, Kev. Low sun and eighty. But was the sun even out? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Sunglasses needed or not? Yeah. The jumps is back, lads. The jumps is back. Uh, omitting obstacles for a low sun when the sun's actually hidden behind a thick layer of cloud. And um, yeah, this was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Uh, like and I think that there's a there's a there's a protocol there, there's a process. Um there's a jockey's um liaison officer, I think they're kind of that the liaises with the jockeys and passes on what they want to do and da, 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 da. I, I just want looking at that it, it's the easiest thing in the world to say this is ridiculous why they do it. I'm not the one um going over jumps with the sun in my eyes and I don't like driving into a low sun in my motor car, but just as a point of fact. We should point out, as we have in the podcast a number of times, that this isn't the only way to deal with this in France. They do not ever omit obstacles for a low sun. They just get on with it. Uh, so like I say, I'm not the one having to do it. But I think it's important to point out that uh, our way isn't necessarily the right way. There is another way that's way less disruptive to um, to the racing product. Um, but in this wonderful day and age Vanessa of health and safety and all that sort of lark I don't suspect we'll be going down the French route anytime soon just, no. just I know we're right for time but we should mention I was going through all the um, stories from the past week I mean that ROA, ROA letter saying that <laughs> owners should be exempt from affordability checks you're desperate to I mean, get that is like April the 1st isn't it it's not October the 30th is it I mean Jesus Christ Really? It'd be it'd be a serious if if they brought that in. Imagine how wonderful it would be for um, for syndicates. We could set up our own syndicate. We go. We basically set up syndicates just so people can get yeah. the um, get the get the omission from the rule. It'd be absolute, it'd be absolute boon for the game, Tony. There'd be owners popping up. <laughs> Again, it's kind of like in the racing post. You're reporting as a news story, but you just think. Just let's just actually go after these idiots at the ROA for actually doing this. I mean, it's absolutely unreal. I mean, I, I was expecting John Dance to be one of the signatories on, on, on it. It's kind of like absolutely comical. I'm talking about comical Huntington today. <laughs> it gets to a situation where they're only allowed 51 runners because they're still doing up the stables and they're allowed to race. I mean, we're talking about a minimum eight runner fields and stuff. You've got they run non runners are coming through as well. I mean, you've got several races, only one is over eight, uh, seven runners, and they allow them to race. I mean, what's all that about? And you've got Christian Leach, Emma Berry come out and saying, I've aimed, and this was a late development as well, I've la- aimed a horse at this meeting for ages, and they've got, a, they can only accommodate 51 runners. I mean, 
mean, the sport is just madness on occasion. And on that, Tony, four, four beautiful words for you, Tony. The jumps is back. Come on. Or, or if the on low songs, note, if the low songs, note. anything to do with it, the jumps is not back. Flat is back. And on that note, guys, we have to wrap up. We can talk about lots Lord. of other issues. We haven't even mentioned Shaquille's retirement either, but we've run out of time specifically as A, the better uh. bosses get cross with us, but more pressingly, that I have a flight to catch to How are you going? California, baby. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh up. There's a race meeting. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get hold of him before he gets on board, and yeah, trying to get trying to get a few pointers what he's going to be riding. But don't mention drugs. Don't mention drugs. The fact that I'm the only one off this podcast going to the Breeders' Cup is an absolute shocker. But I will go and do. You know, I'll I'll fly our flag. Hi guys. Um, the gender reveal party. I'd rather go to that than Santa. <laughs> I'm excited about the big gender reveal. How are we how are we betting? Eleven to ten each or two. No, no, no. no. And thirty three to one the draw. No, it's one, it's one point. It's one point five one a boy. That's the way to work. Right, guys. Thank you very much. Fun show as always. I do have to fly. Have a good week. We'll be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better, of course. But for now, enjoy the week, guys. Have a good one. Gamble responsibly. Thank you very much for watching and listening.